And we're back for another week. Uh, as they would say, it's the same blue time, uh, same blue channel, and of course the same blue corner. Uh, this week, uh, we've, we've, we've probably got one of my youngest guests, but that doesn't mean he hasn't had a, a, a jackload of experience. Um, he, he, he's come through, uh, obviously he fights from one of the most pre uh, prestigious gyms uh, we have, I, I guess, here in, in New South Wales. I, I would say as far as the country, I mean, you know, if, if, if you look at New Zealand, we've got City Kickboxing right now. The gym that's making all the noise here in Australia is, is obviously Freestyle MMA. Um, he's also come um, through the ranks of IMAF, which obviously last, last week's guest, uh, Renato, is the head coach of. Um, he, he goes by the name of Golden Boy. He's got an um, uh, uh, amateur record of, I, I believe, 8-1. and one. Um, we, we had to discuss that for a little bit because obviously uh, Tapology is telling me 7-1, but uh, I, I'll always believe the fighter over some website anyway. He's got a pro record of 1-0, uh, and zero, um, but without further ado, I'll introduce uh, Colby Thickness because the E is silent. Uh, how are mate, you and how has the start of this year been treating you? Mate, that was a great intro, firstly. I love that. And yeah, the start of the year, things have been good. Life's good at the moment. You know, as long as I'm training, staying busy, I'm sort of happy and everything. And yeah, things didn't go to plan as this year, as I thought it would, but I'm sure we can get into that. But yeah, as things are now, I can't complain. All right, so I don't even know where to start with you. Like, I mean, uh, you know, you, usually we get into some fight news straight away or whatever, but, I mean, at the moment we, we are in this sort of weird, um, you know, patchy moment where mm -hmm. people are fighting, people are not, they're training, they're not, nothing's open these days anymore. Yeah. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll take it straight back for you anyway um, and, and, and just see where, because, as I say, you, you are one of the youngest guests I've had on board. Um, but yet you've been doing this for quite some time as well. So I, I guess we'll start right at the beginning and, and, and get down to where did the original kind of um, thirst for, I guess, MMA come, uh, come from? Yeah, awesome. So my first experience is, first I have to start off by saying that I'm a twin, which is sort of part of how, how I've always had that sort of competitiveness to me. So when I was just six years old, me and my twin brother, we were playing football twice a week for like the local club, just a bit of junior sports and that. And then um, eventually we ended up going to a local PCYC to work on some wrestling. Our dad did a bit of amateur wrestling back in the day and he thought it'd be a good sort of base to help us with our football. Not so much that we were super into wrestling, but it's just a good skill to have, teach you how to control people. And it's really good for your sort of, uh, what you say, your tackles and everything in rugby league like that transfers very well so we ended up we're mainly pursuing rugby league from about six to 13 years old we're doing that made a few junior rep teams as a kid wasn't anything special or anything like that and we're always wrestling at the same time and i started to fall more in love with wrestling sort of thing so every day would go wrestle and stuff like that so then I eventually ended up starting to do my first competitions and the competitions started, I do, I started doing pretty well. Even though the wrestling scene was still pretty small in Australia, there was still sort of, would always have matches once a month sort of thing. So I'd go to up to Sydney, down to Canberra and would always compete. So since about six or seven, I was always in some sort of competitive one-on-one -on -one environment as well as competitive team environments. And eventually, once I got to around 11, 12, I started not to like really the team environments anymore, purely because if there was a mistake made by someone else, I wasn't able to control that. 
Whereas if there was a state mistake made in a wrestling, I could at least analyze it, go back and fix this sort of thing. So when I was 13, I said, enough of this. I had enough of footy. I'm about 45 kilos dripping wet, getting ran over by like 80 kilo kids, big time kids. Like it wasn't fun for me anymore. I did well in wrestling. I won a few Australian titles, won state titles. So I had a decent little junior career in wrestling. And then at age 13, that was when I first went over to freestyle. It was freestyle fighting gym back then, but now it's freestyle MA. And that's when I first came in contact with Joe Lopez. So I started there when I was 13. And I originally started with just the jiu-jitsu. I had very little interest in the strike in that. I'm like, all I want to do, I just want to do jiu-jitsu. I think around that time, Kenny Cornelius was probably one of the biggest jiu-jitsu stars. So I'm like, oh, I want to get in again, sort of try and do what he does. So I started doing competitions and I did my first ever competition when I was 14, I think. It was, yeah, 13 or 14 for jiu-jitsu. And I ended up driving around two and a half, three hours to Newcastle, my dad did. And I remember this kid tried to pull guard on me about the first 40 seconds. And I slammed him on the mat and he started crying. So I put my hand up like, yes, I won my first match. Like, I love this sport. But then a ref DQ'd me and I had like a mental breakdown. I started crying. And then I remember going back in the car and I'm like, fuck this jiu-jitsu stuff. Like, I'm over it. I don't want to do it anymore. Like, I just want to start. I don't, I don't want to hurt someone and get in trouble for it. And then Joe's like, explained the rules a bit more to me. He's like, just give me one more comp. Give me one more comp. We'll see how you go. Then I think for a month or two later, I ended up doing the, it was just a white belt comp, but I think it was the Australian titles when I was up in Sydney. Ended up getting second. So I won my first match by submission. I lost the final point. And as soon as I was hooked, I was like, oh, I know this jiu-jitsu thing's for me. So then I ended up knowing I couldn't do MMA until I was 18. I was like, I might as well pursue jiu-jitsu pretty passionately for the next sort of few years whilst I'm actually able to compete in it fairly regularly. So I was still going to high school and everything like that, but I was training six days a week. So every afternoon it was either wrestling or jiu-jitsu sort of thing. That was all done at freestyle MMA. And then I ended up, I went to Pampax twice as a blue belt, won a few state titles and that. So I did all right for myself. And then as soon as I think I turned 17, that's when I sort of swapped my focus to MMA. And that's sort of how my MMA journey started. I was like, okay, I'm going to be 18 in a year. I need to start working on my striking so I can eventually get an occasion and perform. And then Joe had a show, chucked me on the show, had my first fight, and then it sort of just went from there. Nice. And and I have to ask you, because I always uh, mention that the one thing that Australia is missing is the res- uh, wrestling es- aspect of MMA, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, we, we have so many BJJ academies. We Obviously, MMA is taken off now. Um, so when you originally got into wrestling, I mean, you said your dad um, uh, was a wrestler as well, but... Yep. Was it a case of that your, your your twin was your only opponent? Like, because and I say that in all seriousness, because yeah, like yeah. as I say, I, I I've never heard of even like wrestling tournaments um, mm-hmm. in in this country, really, right? Like, it is such a yeah. really kind of like niche market. Niche so, sport, yeah, exactly. So, w- was it a case of that there just wasn't enough? Uh, I guess competition, apart from I guess wrestling your brother every weekend. Um, um, and also, when, when you made that decision to come across to BJJ, is there anything you could take from the wrestling? I mean, obviously, you, you, you spoke about the, the dump, and, and I actually have seen the video of that. Um, <laughs> um, but is there anything that you could kind of convert across? Or once you got to BJJ, was it like starting from scratch again? Yeah, so for that first part of the question with the like level of competition and that, like as you know, Australia is not renowned for its wrestling sort of thing. I was lucky enough, so when... 
I did it at that young age. It sort of translated, so I'd have some basics and everything. But it wasn't like the guys you see in America or Russia starting from a young age. But yeah, with the competition, it was me and my brother. Then we probably had around three or four other kids that we would compete against monthly sort of thing. It got to a stage where I think it was $5 to enter the competition on the weekend. So you'd go up to whichever local PCYC it was, you'd pay the $5. And then what would happen, the coach would weigh you at the your start of week. So say the comp was on a Sunday, the Monday of that week, the coach would get us all on the scale weighers. Then he'll just communicate to the other coaches like, or what are your boys weighing? And we just got our matches up that way. So yeah, as you were saying, yeah, we probably only had three or four sort of competitors that we would normally uh, grapple against every once a month sort of thing. So even then it was good because you could still always see like, oh, I'm beating this guy, he improved here. So you could always sort of try and adjust like that. But to actually get a broad array of sort of different skill sets and styles and that, it's just, yeah, it's not possible. Like I remember some wrestling comps, I went down to the Australian titles in Canberra, actually this would be a better example. So Australian titles, biggest deal for like in Australia for wrestling and that. I remember I had two matches. It was like, there was no one. I think my twin brother had one match then. Someone else from my gym maybe had two matches. It was just, it's just not a big sport, which is a shame because I absolutely love wrestling. I think it's probably one of the funnest, most martial arts, but it is a very physical sport. It's very hard. So I can see why people aren't sort of attached to it. And when you sort of have different sports like footy, soccer, rugby league, everything like that, a lot of kids in Australia, they're a lot more going out towards them sort of sports compared to where you have to wear a leotard and grapple with another bloke for fucking three minutes straight. Like it's just, it's not, I can see why it's not appealing to kids over here. It's just not the same sort of, um, doesn't appeal to the same demographic as it does over to the States and everything like that. And with the, how it sort of translates to jujitsu and that, I actually was, it actually translated pretty well. Obviously the first few times it's going to be hard because you're in wrestling, you never want to be in your back. And in jujitsu, the guard's sort of a, one of the key fundamental positions. But pretty much as soon as I got over that and I got comfortable wearing a gi, just to sort of scramble and that body awareness, I could say like, knowing from wrestling, if I shift him this way, I can trip him that way or takedowns and stuff like that. So having that wrestling experience did definitely help with my jujitsu base for sure. And did you, before you made that that move across, did you ever have like uh, aspirations to like compete at the Olympics? With And I, and I mean that with wrestling because obviously – um, MMA and stuff isn't an Olympic sport yet. So, you know, did, did you ever uh, really sit down with yourself and go, look, I, I can follow this BJJ or MMA journey now and, and, and sort of branch off into that, or I really stick with this wrestling and, and, and try to obviously go, go to the Olympics? Uh, I was fairly lucky with a young age because I was pretty, for some reason I remember, but I was pretty reasonable with my expectations. Like, cause I was, there's a lot of guys I looked up to in like the Australian wrestling scene, but even then, like if they, qualified for something like the commonwealth games was a massive achievement so i wasn't like delusional or anything it wasn't like in my head i was 10 11 years old telling myself well i'm going to be an olympic sort of freestyle wrestling champion i was like i just want to do this and i actually i think i was around sounds weird but a movie sort of actually helped me as well it was funny enough it was never back down i watched that when i was younger and i was like man i want to do that like i want to be able to fight and then obviously i was like slowly transitioning i started watching more you have seen that when i was younger and i'm like that seems like a more sort of uh, likely career path I'd be actually able to aspire to because then I remember at that time there was I think when I started it was a tough with like Richie Vass and all of that all them blokes from the local scene and slowly like George Stropolopoulos and that were fighting the UFC so it was sort of really cool to watch that so that was a lot more reasonable goal to look forward to like okay I can pursue this branch of combat sports and that's where these guys are at now 
or I can try and branch off my own and try and do something that's never been done before. And I was just more reasonable. I'm like, MMA seems more fun to me at the moment. These guys are actually doing what I want to be doing, so I'm going to sort of try and follow their path. And that's sort of what ultimately inspired me to make the jump. And I guess talking about inspiration and, and past fighters, like I, if I was to ask you right now, like which which fighters inspire you, I, I'm pretty sure I could probably guess right about now. And they're 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 guys that come out of your own gym because, as I say, <laughs> yeah. like you you have got that talent there now. But yeah. when 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 you first started or you first got interested in the sport of MMA, um, is there any sort of specific fighter that that at, at, at that time that you looked up to? Um, and and I guess even like, is there a um, a specific fight that one you could rewatch over and over again as as time goes past and that i i guess as a, a youngster really captured your imagination there wasn't necessarily a single fight because even though i was into it i wasn't sort of super aware of what was going on i was more sort of i just youtube like ufc knockouts and fight highlights and stuff like that but the biggest thing was probably honestly um when the tough smashes came out, that was a real big eye-opening opportunity to see like, oh, okay, they're having uh, UK versus Australia and stuff like that. But then probably George Tropolopoulos was just seeing him being able to not necessarily win at the UFC, but just seeing like, oh, wow, there's actually, there's an Australian in the UFC. That was sort of the benchmark, which I set for myself. I was like, okay, he can do it. I'm sure if we work hard enough, we can get down there, down the line sort of thing. But yeah, but now, as you're saying, like now we have, a world champion from the same sort of gym so it's crazy how far it's come over them few years and i mean he's really taken you under under his uh wing as well arm wing whichever way mm-hmm. but um because because i i see that you guys really share a, a really good relationship you know i mean he generally speaking when when i see photos of your fights or, or videos of your fights he he seems to be in the corner and then obviously when he he's jet setting around the world during these crises um, you know, you, you get the golden ticket as well. <laughs> but I mean, we'll, we'll get onto that soon. Um, the, yeah. the, the other thing I wanted to ask you is, are you born and bred in the gong? Yeah, so I was born in, yeah, Willingong Hospital with my twin and then, yeah, born and raised in the area, yeah, whole life. And I guess the reason I ask is like, things like surfing was never your thing or oh, I, ju- I just know that a lot yeah. of guys that come from the gong you know like uh, are more into to that kind of aspect of life yeah. uh, I mean I'm, my best mate who who obviously grew up in Sydney he even moved down to the gong and he's like mate I live 200 meters away from the beach I love it you know and I I'm just saying like someone that comes from the gong like that that's never sort of like um caught your imagination to maybe take up the sport of surfing uh actually when i was around 17 i started bodyboarding and i got super into it like during my last sort of two years of high school that too badly where i ended up sort of skipping classes to go and do it and i just bodyboard all day and then go to jiu-jitsu but i never really i tried surfing i was younger i never got into it but when i was a younger kid i was super introverted like i sort of i didn't lack social skills but i didn't like sort of going outside of my bubble i was more like i just want to go train where i can then i was the sort of kid who were like i'd stay at home and i'd play like illegal edges for like four or five hours a day so i never really had that sort of outgoing personality where i do now where i'd sort of like to challenge myself to new sort of situations things i was more happy just to okay i'll train i'll come home then i'll play video games for three or four hours go to bed rinse and repeat but eventually when i started getting sort of more out of my shell with like socializing that that's when i started bodyboarding and i really got into it but now honestly man like i love it but it's just hard like in camp it's just not worth the risk like all it takes is one bad wave to dump you especially if you're on like sharp reef or something you can get cut cut can get infected even just energy level wise like i'm just like realistically if there's a good day of surf 
I would love to go out and sort of jump on my bodyboard and go for some waves and stuff. But I look at it, I'm like, man, I still got two more training sessions to do. Like I'm probably better off just relaxing. So that's sort of one thing I do actually start to enjoy when I'm out of camp. Like right now we're in lockdown. So it's like perfect time. So I have been out on the board a few times just around local breaks. But in camp now, I sort of, I don't, honestly, I just don't do it purely because I'm just so dialed in. I'm like, what's going to, if this going to deter my performance at training this afternoon, if it is, I won't even bother with the sort of thing. See, well, the only thing I'll be worried about is sharks. I'm not even worried about the dumps. I'm just worried <laughs> about sharks. Like, seriously, it's, it's one of my fears. Like, I, I always yeah. say, like, every time I jump into open waters, like, I can hear the Jaws theme song just in my head. Like, it's literally there, right? Like, and I'm just like, yeah. always, I'll jump in. I'm like, okay, what's the quickest way of getting out of here? I don't enjoy it at all. Yeah, there was one time. Um, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but me and my mates were out of our local surf break sort of thing. And all I see, my mates, two of them were in and we were out on the break sort of thing. So it was like a rock break and then there was a reef out where we were. And all I see is my mates sort of hands up, waving us in and that. And I didn't realize. And then we're paddling. And all I see is this big fin next to me. And I fucking shit it. Like, I let out probably the girliest high-pitched scream you would ever hear in my life. And I'm going like, I don't even look back. I just go in. And then I finally get in, I like end up going on the rocks, scratching my belly up, like I fell off my board all on the shelf, like it wasn't good. Then I get up and my mate's like, oh, we'll just stitch him up, it was just a dolphin next to you, but I just wanted to like scare you sort of thing. So I'm paddling for my life because all I see is a fin about 10 meters away. Obviously at that point, you're like, if you see a fin in the water and your mates are signaling in, you just ultimately think shark side. Disregarded everything I get in there, mate's like, oh, nah, we're just trying to have a GF. It was just a dolphin, don't worry about it. And I was like, I was filthy about that. But luckily, I've never had to see any sharks or anything like that. That was my closest experience, which was a dolphin. See, and and, and, and my, I, I guess, story to that would be like, um, we, we had like a school camp and we went to Kayama. Yeah. And my friends didn't st stitch me up, but like we jumped off this reef into the water and, and you know, it was a good 300 meters back or whatever to, to, to yep. get back to shore. And uh, the water is cold as hell. And I just remember swimming and seeing this dark shadow like <laughs> just underneath, right? And and straight away, panic stations kick in. Mm -hmm. And I know they always yeah. say, like, that's probably even worse. You, you should try to remain calm, collected. But I'm like, all right, I've got 300 meters in front of me. Whatever this thing is, is it, it's going to chase me down yeah. and, and I'm done. So I decided to go back to the, 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 the rocks and the reef that mm -hmm. – um, we jumped off, not realizing that by doing so, I'm just going to cut my hands open, right? Get some blood involved. <laughs> right? So all of a sudden now I'm in water with blood, right? And it, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't even know what the shadow was. Nothing came yep. of it. But like that that's probably my only experience with where I really freaked out. Um, oh, there's but, nothing like it. But these days I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to stick in swimming pools. I don't care if a, key, a kid's peed in it. I'd rather that. Yep then lose a limb <laughs> like that that that's just me but listen also starting with sports so young were you always like um because because obviously you say you you've got a real competitive nature about you yep. so i i guess whatever sport you were going to choose in the long run you were going to take it pretty serious it wasn't just like a hobby thing to you yep. that now has progressed into some something else so i have to say like coming up um you know, was there like a lot of social events and stuff like that that you missed out on? Because, you know, you hear you hear these stories of, of successful athletes, whichever sport they are, you know, and they said, yeah, you know, when, when friends were going out for 18th birthday parties mm -hmm. or, um, you know, I don't know, weddings, whatever, whatever yep. the case be, they, they said, no, look, we had to put that aside. We missed out on on all these kind of gatherings to, to pursue this kind of sport. Was, was that the kind of case with you or... 
you know, was it a case of that you 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 kind of partied for a little while as as you came up, and <laughs> I, I'm assuming you're taking it more serious now, yeah. or or was it a case that because you've got a twin, you were like, you know what, I can skip these social events. I'll send my twin brother and and, <gasps> and just and just pretend that I was there in the first place. It was a mixture of everything, to be honest. So like when I first started with jujitsu and that, I, I I never had a sip of alcohol till I was like 17 or that. Like I was saying, I was very, very introverted when I was growing up sort of thing. It was only when I started actually like my brother, he obviously took me out to bodyboarding. And that was honestly like my first social occasion where I went out, met new people, did an activity. And I was like, fuck, this is so much better than sitting inside not doing anything. And it sort of spiraled on from there. And then obviously when you're younger, you get invited to parties and that, but honestly like i was never like a drinker or anything i was like i don't want to like i gotta get up and train the next morning like so i never I'm, even now these days like my mates will invite me out for something and if i can't go because of training like i'm like oh sorry man i can't come but i'll get training tomorrow morning and, that. and all my mates like my close mates they're very good with that sort of stuff now but i don't feel like any sort of as people say like fomo fear of missing out i'm like realistically what is i way i look at i compare like what is one fun night what happened if I can learn this one technique, which three years down the line is going to save my ass for a fight. And then it's always like, it's just, it's not even a, like, it's not even a question. Like, would you rather go out and do this stuff or do you want to train? That being said, obviously I did enjoy myself and that sort of thing down then, but like, I'm not a very sort of a party and everything. It's not like my biggest factor right now is I just want to train constant improvement. And man, I'm in bed by like eight thirty, nine o'clock most nights purely. So I can, I average like, Sounds good, but like nine and a half, ten hours sleep, like seven days a week sort of thing. Like I'm real, I'm strict with my sleep schedule, strict with nutrition, everything like that. So everything's sort of so driven towards this sort of like performance and this long-term goal is where me sacrificing a few beers on a weekend with a mate, so going out to a party and stuff like that. It doesn't even like, it's not even a sacrifice to be honest. Like I prefer doing this. Like I, I tried it. Sometimes I'd go out to force myself to go out to these gatherings to be social and I'm legit miserable there. I'm like, I might as well be at home getting my proper sleep whereas instead of me forcing myself to be out here i'm actually not enjoying myself because i know what i could be doing and like i get better return interest off the different choices i make so these days like i'm very i'm not anti-social but i'm a lot more like stick to my routine stick to my close bubble and just let things be as they may sort of thing without a doubt and I'm, i mean look that's a very mature way of looking at it <laughs> but i'm saying most people from yeah. the ages of like 16, 17, yeah. 18, aren't looking at it in that sense. When you say you have early early nights like that, is that also like, do you, do you get up early? Like, I, like what what's your training schedule like these days? Yeah, so I'll go through the training schedule that we did for the champ camp, like Volcros, because he had the COVID exemption. That's like the latest sort of block of training I could go over. So we would do Monday and Wednesday, we'd go to Baymed Performance and Fig Tree. We'd do an SNC program from eight to nine. We'll go to freestyle from 9.30 to 10.30 every morning. Then every afternoon, we'll do a 3 p.m. session besides Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then we'll do just a morning session Friday. We'll spar Saturday. Then the boys, Volko and Jamie, when they're fighting, they'll do their spiders on the Sunday. So that's the sort of scheduling. So even then, realistically, I'd be in bed by 8.30, 9 o'clock. But I normally sleep into around like 6.30 or 7 o'clock sort of thing like I'm not sort of like a super early rise. Like some people get up at 5 a.m. Like that sounds like the absolute worst thing for me. Like I'm a sort of guy, I like to get up, have a coffee, get some food into me, then go out and sort of attack the day sort of thing. I hate sort of waiting around. So if I find if I, some people can do it, they wake up and get things done. But if I'm up at five o'clock, I'm just be looking at my watch, like hurry up, eight o'clock, I want to go train sort of thing. 
Yeah, to me though, six thirty ain't a sleep in. Um, so, um, but you do mention food as well, getting yourself a coffee and 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 breakfast, and and this is probably a perfect time. Um, obviously, yesterday I, I put out a post and and to see if there's any questions that people wanted uh, yep. answered. And one of the questions was actually, uh, what do you consider the best breakfast to have before an MMA training session? Oh, I think that's very subjective and also depends on like the duration. Like someone like me, if our sparring sessions are 9.30, so I use that as an example. That's probably the hardest early morning session we have, hardest and the longest duration. So for me, obviously I work with Geordie, a fight dietitian. So he's a wizard with everything like that. So what he says, I'll put into my body. But I found personally a smoothie works best for me because I'm not, I can't, I don't like feeling full when I'm training. I'm the sort of guy I like to feel light. I'd rather go into a session feeling semi-hungry than semi-full. I always prefer that little bit of emptiness. I feel a bit quicker. I feel like my reactions, even mentally, I just feel like the blood's not in my stomach digesting. It's where it needs to be. So I normally just go like scoop of protein, chuck in some fruits, some oats, a bit of honey, a bit of ice, blend it up. Maybe you can chuck in some instant coffee or something like that. Something that's enough, it's going to sort of fill you correctly for the session, but it's not going to weigh you down and sort of slow you down. But I know some people that, so a good example is like Blake Donnelly, who was part of our champ camp. He likes to eat like a real big breath, big breakfast, like bacon, eggs, hash, everything like that before like a sparring session where if I did that, I wouldn't spar properly. I'd be sick in the toilet sort of thing. So I think it's pretty subjective, but my personal favorite go-to is like a, high protein, oh, moderate protein, high carb sort of smoothie before a training session. And are you the type of uh, fighter to to kind of eat clean all year round or do you believe in cheap meals and, and things like that? Or like even like, I guess, not a weekly cheap meal, but like for instance, you uh, after a fight, is there like a, a favorite kind of meal that you just like to have even if it is only the once in a blue moon? Yeah, I'm smiling now because like anyone who knows me, I have like the biggest sweet tooth. Like it's ridiculous. Like so... It's at a camp, I'm not as strict. I make band and weight pretty comfortably sort of thing. So it's not like I'm killing myself to get there. And obviously with Geordie, it's a big help. But yeah, out of camp, like my, my biggest things like Reese's peanut butter cups. So like if I'm at Woolies or something there on special, like I'll grab some of them. I feel like the biggest thing people do wrong is they try and limit their options or they try and eat too clean for like too youngly around. They end up going off the rails for like weeks at a time. Where I'm a sort of guy where I can eat clean for a couple of days, have a little sort of a more relaxed meal, go out for like a social event or something, have that, then I'm back on track and it doesn't really feel like you're depleting yourself or missing out or anything where I see too many guys that are just like two weeks are strict as hell, then they're off a rails for a week and it's like that real up and down. Whereas I prefer to eat moderately clean, but again, I'm all about performance. So some people might think like what I eat for like a cheap meal or something, it might not be technically like a cheat meal or some of that, I don't mind. I just want to eat what makes me feel good and makes me perform good at the end of the day. Nice. And con- considering that you've, um, how many years have you been at Freestyle now? Um, so it would be nine years. So I started when I was 13, I'm 22 now. Nice, nice. And has Freestyle changed over time? Like, and, and I guess more, more recently, I guess now that you guys house the champion, um, like, is it just business as usual uh, or, or have you have you noticed that things have changed now that I guess the spotlight is a little more so on your gym? Um, honestly, I think besides the sort of renovations, it sounds weird, but we did renovations so we can now fit more people. We have more people attending our classes, but I think the core elements of the gym is still the same. Joe's going to give you the 
Joe, the head coach, Lopez, head coach, he's going to give you shit, whether you're Alex Volkanovski, the world champ, whether you're sort of like an up-and-coming fighter like me, or whether you're like a new bloke who just sort of wants to have a go. Like, it's the same sort of thing. It's just all good laughs. It's good energy. Like, it hasn't changed in that sense, which I think is why the gym's been so successful. Where you see some things where it's everything changed and they start trying to, whatever got them to the dance, they sort of think once they're at the dance, they need to change it to stay there. Whereas I believe whatever's got you to the dance, you should just keep doing that. It's got you there. Have faith in that process. And as we see, it's been working for Alex quite well. Obviously, he's been branched now and that, but the actual core sort of fundamentals and everything about the gym, it's pretty much stayed the same over the course of the nine years I've been there. And and what is Joe like in 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 person? And and the only reason <laughs> and the only reason I I ask that is is because you know like I I've only like seen what's on socials right and yeah. there, 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 there there's moments that I'm like oh he'd be he'd be pretty scary to deal with you know but then there's other moments and I guess it was when you guys were in quarantine and stuff and him and Alex are bickering at each other a little yeah. bit and I'm like oh no he looks like he he actually has a bit of a sense of humor also um and then I guess whoever's running the social account of of, of the gym as well um yeah. especially when Joe's not there and they start asking these questions and, and I see that it is a bit of a fun vibe right so yeah. Uh, you know, from your perspective, and I'll try to geo-block this section out, so Joe will never hear this. But like, oh, no, I was what, what, ask for that. <laughs> but what's he like to deal with, like uh, as a person or as uh, as a student? I, I'd say. Yeah, like honestly, like he's taken me under his wing since I was such a young age. Like I got nothing. Like I could sit here for the next hour and just talk to you about all the good things he's done for me, all the opportunities he's presented, like for me and like people around me and stuff like that. But yeah, like he's the type of guy where he will give you shit, it'll tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, but he's also a type of guy, like, he's going to give you the praise, he's going to, he'll give you a shirt off his back if he has to, sort of thing, like, I've got, yeah, nothing but, like, high words of praise, like, it's just, it's hard to explain to somebody who hasn't met Joe, I feel like he's the type of, like, you just need to meet him once, and you are like, ah, that's what he's like, but if to sum up, he's just like, yeah, he's just, he's just a good bloke, he's always looking out for those, like, close to him, he's sort of looking out for everyone, he, want, he wants the best for everyone, and that, Best might be telling you after a sparring session or a workout, you're like, that was probably your shittest workout this whole camp. Which at the time, you're like, oh, fuck, okay, thanks for telling me that. But then two weeks down the line, he's going to be like, that's how you, that's how I want you to fight sort of thing. And so it's sort of that. He tells you, best way I can say it, he looks out for you, but he also he tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And that's exact someone like me. I'd rather have someone like that telling me what I need to improve on, what I actually need to do better, than a yes man just sort of pissing in my pocket telling me what I want to hear. Because at the end of the day, that's not going to get you very far. No, you're right. And 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 I guess the one that always stands out for me was, uh, I, I think it was, I, I'm not sure if it was the title defense or when, when Alex first won the belt. Mm-hmm. And then I remember on the stories, it was it was Joe yelling at him, going, "Oh, what? You're too good to to, to, clean, <laughs> to clean. You're too good to clean the mats now. You know, get a mop. You know." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my yeah. god!" Like he's sticking it in. I was like, "And that's what I mean." Like I do see the humor, but then when he's yeah. yelling at you guys on on the assault bikes and stuff, I'm like, "Oh god, man, I'd, I'd be scared." You know, so it's it, yeah. it's that go between. But I guess you know, like he does what. I mean, as I say, you guys have had a lot of success, right? And yep. and and mm-hmm. it's always funny, you know, when you go to the states, you you get these mega gyms, right? And yep. and I'm sure you've seen a few of them now too when mm-hmm. on your trips to Vegas and and, yep. and things like that. But when when you've got like you know these gyms and and i have to praise once again city kickboxing what they're doing as well right like from a this side of the world but then two it's like you're a wollongong gym you're not a sydney gym so even yeah. if you look at it as in like the city base 
you know, Wollongong is quite small, right? So for you guys to have that success and even to the point, the success that you have your Jamie Malarkey's, your, uh, I, I think Josh Coolabau comes down to Come, you guys. Um, yep. who, who else? I, I think Arlene, Arlene comes in, yep. Right? Like you guys are definitely doing something right. What it is, mm -hmm. I don't know, but you're definitely doing something right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just honestly, like I was saying it, I think it's just a team environment we have, but I think it does come down to like Joe's sort of coaching philosophies where he is. He's like, he's going to scream off his head at you on that assault bike just to get you that 1% better. And you're going to hate him for every second you're doing that bike. Like he'll, you're, one of our sessions are lactic. It's a one minute sprint on the assault bike, which is hard enough as is. And it's a minute on the bag, punching and kicking. So it's a full body workout. Sometimes you might go for the first 30 seconds. He's going to come over, push for the last 30. But other times he's going to be standing over you for a minute telling you he's going to yell out your numbers he's like you might be you might be doing great you might be hitting 80 on the bike 30 seconds in which is pretty good effort he's going to be like get to 85 get to 85 then obviously you're going to slow down but as you're slowing down he's still motivating you there's been so many times that i'm like fuck i think i'm in fifth gear i can't get any further and i'm like fuck it i'm going to prove him wrong and then boom you hit that extra gear and just little things like that it's all these little one percenters that he does which i think actually adds up which makes you better every day and then that's why i think so many people are coming down like don't get me wrong i walk into a lactic session every day i'm like fuck man this is what are you doing I'm like man this absolutely is gonna suck by the end of it i know i've got the work in i've improved myself i'm gonna feel better for after doing it sort of thing i got pushed it's what you need sort of thing that's why i think uh a lot of people are starting to sort of like you said come down to our gym be a part we've got a good training environment like as hard as we do train we also train very safely whereas Joe's the type of guy, if he sees someone going too hard, doesn't matter against who, he's going to pull you up and be like, no, oi, we're not spying like that. You don't get paid to fight in the gym. We're here to learn and help each other sort of thing. Well, that's a great segue, sparring. What are your thoughts on sparring? Because, you know, like, mm -hmm. I kind of, you, you always have the two, two aspects, right? Well, there, there's yeah. mul multiple ways to look at it. A, a lot of the times when people say, let's spar, they say, let's go at 60%. Because yep. as you say, exactly that, you don't want to be taking each other's heads off. But then you'll get mm -hmm. one person in the gym and he'll up it to 80. And then before you know yep. it, you know, you, you, you're literally having a fisty cuff. Um, yep. But then you've had like in recent times, Max Holloway kind of come out and say, look, I don't spar anymore. Like I just don't do it. Like I think, yep. but, and as I say, I, I, I kind of feel a little confused because I understand what he's saying. Like why cop the head trauma? Um, if you don't need to, and as you say, you're not getting mm -hmm. paid for those rounds. Yep. Um, but on the same token, I do feel like it does bring you to get some sort of sharpness about you, right? Like there, yep. there's that in-fight training that you can only get by being in a fight. So if you do a whole camp yep. and no sparring, it's very hard to flick the switch once once mm. it's time to flick the switch. So what are your kind of takeouts on sparring? Do you, do you enjoy them? Um, do, do you think they're more beneficial or do, do, do you feel like people – do because like on the flip side of this i've seen boxers right and when they spar mm -hmm. ap apart from the fact that they got headgear on oh. it, it, it it's a fight man yeah. like the boxers oh, it's just it crazy they go rounds on mm -hmm. rounds upon rounds and it's like a full-blown fight right and i'm mm -hmm. like that can't be good like i know you're wearing the headgear but it can't be good but yeah so yeah. what's what's your kind of take on 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 the whole sparring i think honestly it depends you have to have a mixture of both me personally i am the type of guy whereas when i'm sparring unless it's i know the guy i'm sparring against if i'm sparring someone new i'm always going to let them set the pace and the tempo and i'll match them if they want to come out light and play if i'm like sweet they want to come out hard in that 
obviously you're gonna have to raise the level. But I, me personally, for my style, how I like to fight, I'm a firm believer in that you have to, you gotta, you gotta get in there and you gotta get sort of dirty with sparring. Doesn't mean you have to take each other's head off, but you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to have them hard rounds because you can do. I don't know. Some people say without sparring that, but if you're four out of your five rounds into your sparring and you're gassed and you've got another round to go and you get a fresh person coming in. That's the sort of shit that's going to emulate in a fight. It's going to show you what you're really made of sort of thing. And also I feel like sparring's the closest thing to the actual fight. So my sparring day routine, like I have like a morning stretch. I normally have like the same meal. I like to do some sort of breathing, mobility, everything like that. The same routine I do on my sparring sessions on the Saturdays when I'm in camp. Well, spar all the time, but on Saturdays, that's like the main focus of the sparring session with game plan and that. My Saturdays are exactly the same as my five days. I'm trying to do everything the same. It doesn't matter from eight weeks out or from 20 weeks out. I need to, at the end of the day, I'm going into a gym, into an environment to put gloves and shin pads on and to not, I say fight. We're not fighting and sparring, but we're stimulating a fight. The only difference of what we're doing in sparring is the level of intensity. But like you said, sometimes the intensity gets up there. Is it good to always do that? Absolutely not. It's stupid. You shouldn't lose your chin in the gym whatsoever. But every now and then, I think it's good. If you haven't done a couple of hard, if you haven't done a few rounds of hard sparring for the last eight weeks, and you think, oh, I'm just going to like spiral camp, I don't think you're going to get a proper feel for what the fight's going to be like. Because if you're just getting touched, you need to get them sort of, not necessarily the headshots, but you do need to get what it feels like, oh, I've got hit by a hard body shot. I need to get him a back foot. I need to be a bit more smart with my energy conservation now. Okay, my leg's taking a bit of a beating. I need to either start addressing these kicks, start checking them, start working my counters when he kicks, or do I need to start switching standards and give him a different look and sort of thing. And that's just sort of stuff I think that really adds up into fighting when you sort of um, get to them later, harder rounds, you really need that experience. So I'm I'm all for sparring. I think it's fantastic. But at the end of the day, it does have to be done correctly. You shouldn't spar hard every day. You shouldn't, I don't think you should spar hard every week almost. It's not at this point. But there is a time and place for hard sparring. And I think me personally, for my style, I'll always have some sort of hard R sparring. Not saying I'm going 100% I'm trying to knock on my partners, but I think a good 70 to 80% where you can work hard with the guy you trust him. If I'm, if he sees he's put it on me, he can back it down. Sort of same thing. I see my, I'm putting it on him. You can pull it down. You need to have that trust factor. I think the biggest reason we see sort of all the like, say, sparring wars is when you get two guys who aren't too familiar with each other. And like you said, one guy starts here and then eventually they're just butting heads till someone gets hurt, which I think is completely stupid. There's no need for that. But like I said, I do think hard sparring needs to be a part of camp. Some people may disagree, but me personally, I know I feel the best when I do get some hard rounds in. No, and I totally agree. And I, and I think, you know, we me, the ones that you always need to watch out for are the, the, the people that are new to the gym, right? Because <laughs> yep, they're still trying to find their feet. And, and a lot of the time, depending, I mean, if they've trained before, they know how to pull punches and stuff like that. But if they're really new and they're very green... A lot of the time, it's not even that they're 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 trying to go harder than sixty percent. I I, I yep. have this belief that they don't know what sixty percent is, right? Exactly because you right. just don't know what power you've got until yep. mm-hmm. you start to experiment with it. But like, say when you're doing some rounds with the champ, um, yep. You know, do you do you up the intensity there? Like, are you more um, there to to um, I know give him hard rounds? Or do yep. you try to pull back so he can like try to implement some new techniques? I guess that that he's kind of been because you know I mean they they're both beneficial, right? Like yep. mm-hmm. they're, they're, there's times that you want to give him that 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 real grudge match because yep. 
um, you know, as you say, you need to get war ready. You you need yeah. you need those rounds, but sometimes it, it's better just to lay back to to give him some new looks and you know yeah. let him let him try some new kicks or whatever that normally he wouldn't be able to get off if if you know you really put on put on that pace. So pressure on that. Yeah, yeah. So when 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 it comes to like giving the rounds at that kind of level, like where yeah. you know what, what what's the kind of uh, methods there? A lot of the rounds we do, if I'm a Volker, I have to be honest, is I have to be on my game. I have to be like, I have to be 100% sharp with that because if I'm not there mentally or if I think, oh, I might try and go a bit lighter, like I, I don't have a place against some sort of thing. It's can't, no, I can't, like there's no point. Like I'm not going to be able to do, it's not going to be worth his round. So a lot of the rounds we do, he probably doesn't, ha he, or he definitely doesn't have to go up the intensity I does, but I look at his like, I'm just going to, he's a world champ. I'm going to perform at my best. I'm going to give him the absolute best round I can. Doesn't mean I'm out here trying to knock his head off. I'm going to sort of match. We, we've, we've been we've been training together for a few years. So we can, we're very familiar with each other's intensity. So I'm just going to match his intensity, but I'm just going to try and keep up with it. But when you spar him, his pace and everything, obviously fatigues you and stuff. But a lot of the times is I'm just going to try and do my best rounds against him to give him the best look. He's sort of been grateful or what do I, what's the word? I can't think, but he's sort of been generous enough to give me the time of day to get some rounds of sparring with him. So that has to be sort of my best performance round where I really need to dial everything in. And the next five minutes, I have to give him the world champ, the best absolute work I can. Otherwise, there's no point me being in with him. He should get someone else who can give him the sort of work he needs. Now, on the other token, there are times, not so much on the sparring sessions, but more after we might do a striking technique class. Joe's like, okay, to finish, we've got 20 minutes left. We're going to do five, three-minute rounds of just light technical sparring. And that's when that sort of playful stuff. And whereas you can switch to southpaw, you can try and, as for example, you can try and mimic or table. You can sort of play with the lead hook. You can sort of shoot single legs and stuff like that where you can give him a lot more sort of look he needs for his body. But a lot of the times when we are sparring, I'm, Honestly, I'm just trying to give him my best performance, trying to get the most out of round for myself and just trying to give him like as best of round that I can possibly give him. And I mean, look, uh, I guess we'll, we'll we'll talk about it now with the with the whole Ortega thing. I mean, obviously, um, the, the the first time that they were due to face each other, I believe you went over with him. Um, mm -hmm. yep. So how, how did that opportunity arise? We're going over for him or is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like obviously yeah. you you went over and and I'm yep. talking about the first fight where the fight oh, got yeah, yep. you you were yeah, so over there for that, right? Yeah, yeah, the first fight. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, so um, I don't even know to be honest. Was I was planning to run the gym because Joe and Balco were going away. Then Joe called me into the office one day, and he's like, "Oh, is this video?" He was like, "I got some news." He's like, "Geordie said you won't be able to come for a gym for a couple of weeks because you've got an issue or something." I was like, "Fuck, man, I'm not gonna be able to train for three weeks." Like. Then I was like, wait, what is even going on? Then he's like, you won't be able to train because you're coming to Vegas with us. And then I was, boom, I was over and I'm like, fuck, it's going to be amazing. I was there when Volko beat Max the first time when he won the belt. That was an amazing experience. And then we went over for the second time. But sadly enough, as everyone knows by now, a few of us caught COVID and that sort of put the whole fight delayed. It was shit that it happened. But then again, it was a good opportunity because we did get to do the whole Ultimate Fighter series out of it as well. Which is pretty crazy because I mean we all saw the videos of uh, Volk getting the the I don't even want to say it because last time I mentioned it on this thing like literally yeah. I got I got a YouTube strike and they took the video down. Um, oh, really? So um, let let's just call it uh, the crown the up, 
uh, after the cra- <laughs> after Crown Lager. I always say because we're not allowed to mention uh, Mexican oh, beers, yeah, yeah. so yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll go to the Crown Lager. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we obviously, I, I saw the video that he had posted with him obviously coughing up blood and, and things like that. But like the, the thing that I didn't realize is that multiple people in your camp, including yourself, came down yeah. with the virus. So I have to ask, from your perspective, how, how, how was the feeling and, 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 and you know, um, was it as scary as people make it out to be? Like when, when, yeah. when you, when you had a case of the crowns, like were you really yeah. sitting there going, "Damn, yeah. I'm in Vegas. I'm away from my family. Yeah. Like I, I could potentially be, 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 you know, a, another statistic. Uh, exactly, you know, in the coming yeah. weeks. So, yeah, what yeah. was your experience with that? I'll get to that. But funny enough, my parents were actually a bit iffy about me going to Vegas because I was still at like, 21. I still live at home. I was, I still live at home now, but I was just, I was living at home in that. So we sorted my travel insurance and that. And mom's like, you know, your travel insurance doesn't cover COVID. And I was like, mom, like, it's fine. Like, I'm like, mom, but it's Vegas. So like, surely we're going to get the opportunity for it. Like, I can't say no. And she's like, yeah, right. She's like, just be careful over there. And I was like, yeah, sweet. So then when we got the news, honestly, it was that night and the whole next day, I wasn't even worried about the virus. I was like, Man, I have to ring my mum and tell her what she didn't want to happen. Like, bro, I was shitting it. Hey, like, I was terrified. Obviously, in my head, I was playing out like, they're going to be filthy. But as soon as I told them, they just went, they didn't care. They were just, like, straight worry mode, which is as expected from parents. But my actual experience was it was, I must say, I must have been fairly lucky. I was very, fairly asymptomatic. Like, honestly, when we first got there, I had a lot of congestion and stuff. That was just from the flight desert air air cons and everything like that but when i actually it was funny the day a few of us got sort of told we had it was the day i felt the best we sparred the day before all my sinuses and stuff cleared out i'm like man i'm feeling good this is great like great energy the whole fight week things are going great then we got the news and then i think i'm not sure how many days into it when we were at the hotel but then bulko started to get sick i had some fatigue some tiredness about three days i was sleeping around 11 12 hours a night I do a few laps around the car park. Then I'd have to go back, have a sleep during the day, end up losing the taste and the smell. But to be honest, that was the worst of it. Like very, very mild symptoms. Like it wasn't that bad. I honestly, back in January, I had a worse flu, but then again, I was taking it. I was fairly lucky with that sort of case. And then you go to someone like Volko, who just, he got, as I saw, he got fucking rattled by it. I remember there was one morning where we came in and geordie was there and he had this oxygen thing to take his oxygen levels and his levels got pretty low at night and we're like bro if the levels get that low again you need to get go to hospital like it's not worth a risk sort of thing don't like obviously he's he's trying to be a tough guy and everything like he was he was pretty stubborn about it fair play to him but man i remember we walked into one of his rooms and i'm sorry man he looks like death bro he looked like a zombie and that's when i was like fuck man this is serious and then we were in his room chatting and he was laying down on his bed and then he sort of scattered up onto the bedboard to talk to us. And about five minutes later, he's like, just lets out a big sigh and just goes back, lays down in bed. So if you have a world champ one week ago in the best shape of his life, prepping for the fight of his life sort of thing. And then a week later, he can't even sit up on a bed rest for too long. So at that point, I was like, fuck, man, like I'm lucky with how my symptoms are progressed and how I feel right now. But to see it affect someone like as fit, as healthy and strong as him was real eye-opening. And that was the sort of that at that point was when it was scary when he sort of then you sort of saw the coughing up blood and at that point we're like bro let's just get you to a hospital get you the proper care get everything you need because like this shit isn't a joke like as much as you want to be like oh big macho tough man about it like at the end of the day it's the world's 
probably deadliest virus for a reason. It's killing a lot of people, even though people are going to have sort of mixed beliefs in it. I've experienced it firsthand. I've seen one of my closest mates experience firsthand in pretty much the shape of his life, and I've seen how bad it rocked him. So that was a very eye-opening experience where you come in and you see him like, oh, I haven't slept or not. I've had fevers, I've had sweats, I've been coughing up blood, I've been coughing up brain shit. I struggle to breathe, I don't have energy to do anything. So like a terrible list of systems. So that part was freaky. Obviously, he got to the hospital, he got on the mend. Now he's recovered and he's fine from it. But that actual experience of seeing it and being firsthand there was pretty daunting. And was it a case that they separated you? Like when, when I mean, how, first of all, how many people in your camp got 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 the uh, crown lagers? Four. Four. So was it was it a case then that they went, okay, you four have got the the crowns. We'll put you in the same room, so at least you can keep an eye on each other. Or did they separate all four of you because they're like, we need to isolate you from each other? Yeah, they just, they separated us all. Yeah, yeah, right. So you, yeah. you're, you're basically in a room by yourself, just not even kind of knowing what's going on with the with the rest of the guys at the yeah, time. Yeah, so we were all on the same floor. So we were lucky enough that we were able to check in on each other and that sort of thing, just because obviously, like, you want to make sure. So we're always shooting the messages, just pop our head around, like, into each other's room, see how we're doing. And first two days, we're like, we're all pretty, like, fuck, it sucks, but at least we're healthy. Get over this, get back to it straight away. Like, Rebook the fight, a couple of months time, perfect opportunity. And then Volko went down and that's when I'm like, oh shit, things are starting to get serious. Yeah, crazy. And I mean, I guess the, the silver lining in it all, as you said, is that, you know, thankfully no one was, yeah. you know, a statistic. And, mm-hmm. and, and everyone's kind of made a full recovery. And, and out yep. of that, you guys actually got to uh, now jump into the tough house, right? Um, yeah. so was that a case of you guys coming back to Australia and then flying back over again? Or did you guys just wait it out over in Vegas now and going, well, we're, we've now been booked for the tough house. So we might as well, yeah. uh, make this an extended trip. So funny enough, what happened was we got cleared, but because of Volko's COVID, I started testing negative around day 12 or 13 and i was feeling fine by that point but because volko's case was more severe the doctors told him that you're going to test positive for a few more weeks and because of that no matter you might be three weeks since your covid you might be fine but because you're negative in that test you're not able to fly home so the plan was i was going to stay around in vegas with volko until he gets negative then we'll hotel quarantine together we can get straight back into training them two weeks because who knows, they might rebook the flight eight weeks from now when we get, um, as soon as we touch down in Australia, two-week quarantine. That means the only is a six-week camp. We go together, we can get at least the first like two weeks out of the way. That was our thinking. So Joe flew home early when he was meant to. And then I think it was day two or three when Joe was into his quarantine. They rang Volker about tough. And then Joe, obviously, he had to come back for that. So poor Joe had to do the two-week quarantine. I think he got a day. It was either a day and a half or two days he got with his family back home. Then boom, straight back over to Vegas for the thing. But that just came about. I remember um, Volker called me into his room. He's like, I've got some news. I was like, oh, cool. What's that? He's like, they want me to do tough. And I was like, oh, I was like, mad. Like, what do you say? He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I was like, fuck, that's an awesome experience. Then he rang Joe. They chatted. It was a viable option. Lucky enough for me to hang around and sort of be a part of the show and everything like that. So that was just, uh, it ended up being, like you said, a silver lining. We got to see Ortega's true side as well, but we also got to meet like a fantastic bunch of guys, got to train at a few different gyms. Like it was just Craig, got to meet Craig Jones, come over, have him coaching, living with him, all the boys in the house. Like it was an amazing experience altogether. 
And 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 now that you've been behind the scenes, obviously as well, right? Like how? And and I know it's always hard. I I seen you talk about it uh, a little bit, but I think that was when we were still midway through the the season. The season's finished yep. now, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping we can talk a little bit about it. But like, yep. you know, from what we see on TV to to what it is that that actually goes on behind the scenes, like you know, because we we always have these debates and regardless of what reality TV show you watch, Mm -hmm. right? Like people always say, how much of it is actually real? How much of it isn't? From your experience, like, yeah, so what what was the process like of of being, uh, I guess, in in the Ultimate Fighter house? I think it was was awesome. So we obviously had our coaches. We all had our own, like, our separate house around 15 minutes away from, around 10 minutes from Apex, away 10 minutes from apex i should say around 15 minutes away from the actual fighters house so we had our own place so obviously we interacted with the fighters and everything i would say compared to the show what you see is what you get but only a small sort of percentage of what you get like there's a lot more to the guys that sort of sat obviously it's hard because if you actually look at how they break down episodes they have to do a background they have to do an intro background story training footage weigh-in footage, pre-fight hype, sponsor ad or something, then a fight, then next week breakdown. So there's actually very little time allocated to, I think, what people are mainly interested in is what they forget. Like a lot of people saying like, oh, there wasn't enough Volk on the show. There wasn't enough Craig Jones. There was, but you got to remember like this show is purely about the actual guys in the house. We're just Volk on all of them. They were just there to assist the guys and trying to get them to win. So obviously there's a lot more. Like we, as you saw, we went over to the house for barbecues. We brought boys over to our house. There's a lot of interactions in that. But I think it's it's hard to say though because every single time we were around them, there was always a camera on us and it was all mic'd up. So there was so much little stuff that would have got left behind. But I think at the end of the day, they did do a fairly good job of sort of um, narrating how it sort of played out. Like how Ortega got the first four wins. He was cocky about it. He talked some shit. Michael Chiesa called out his coach in it, was, which was absolutely hilarious and great to see live. And then we ended up dominating the next seven fights in a row. Then we lost the eight fight sort of thing. So we did a good comeback. They showed a little bit of like um, Ortega's unprofessionalness and stuff like that. But there was still a little, a few different things. Like obviously we had a few, we actually did a few more pranks like if you watch the Joe Rogan, Craig did that USADA prank where he sold his USADA test, acted like he shoved it up his ass and put it back in and was going to say, look what we've done to you, but they wouldn't allow us to do that. Little things like that. Like there was a time where it was funny. We were actually training and I saw a gym bag with UFC stuff and all the tough guys, they have the same gear as so that all the same. Then I saw a different pair of gloves and shin pads. So I was like, I wonder who that is. Now look in the bag and it's Ortega's um, fucking keys and his wallet there. I was like, Boys, come have a look at this. I show them it and we're like, and that's when um Craig and Volko got it and they did that photo like, yes. And then as soon as we did that, Ortega chucked the shits, he ran to their producers. He's like, oh, if they touch Craig, it's funny. He's like, if Craig touches my car, I'm going to fight him. Didn't even mention Volko or anything. He just like wanted to attack Craig for some reason, which is terrible because if Craig grabs you, it doesn't matter who you are in MMA, Craig's going to fucking put you to sleep or snap your leg off. So that wouldn't have been a smart call out for him. But little things like that where they didn't show like another side of him. But at the end of the day, like I think they did a fairly good job to recreate the show of how it actually played out in that sense. And how did the contestants um, warm up to, I, I'm going to call you guys Team Australia, 
Um, Because, you know, in the past, as you said, you have a Smashers series and it's like the UK fighters and they'll have like Bisbing as the coach or, you know, Australian fighters. And as you say, they they had George as the coach or whatever. And, uh, yeah, he was because it was the Ross Pearson episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, So, like, how how did they kind of warm to you? I mean, I I was really happy when uh, Volk uh, picked Ryder first up because I've had experiences (laughs) with Ryder uh, from from Extreme Couture. So as soon as that went, obviously the fight didn't go the way I hoped. But uh, yeah. that was really nice. But like, yeah, how did the Americans? Because I, you know, obviously because of it's all the restrictions, and everything like that. Yeah, how how yeah. how did they warm up to you? And did it change after you did drop the first four? Like, were they starting to doubt? I guess the Australian coaches, um, because I mean, Team Morel, you know, as, yeah. as cocky as as Ortega was. Yeah, it, it, it can start to set doubts, right? Like oh, hundred percent. It could have went really, really bad for us. Yeah. So how how were they towards, I guess, the Australian coaches? And and was there kind of a moment that not even with the contestants, I guess, uh, Volk, Joe, and yourself mm-hmm. sat down after dropping four. What what was the kind of uh, mentality or or, or uh, the vibe between you guys yep. on on how you were going to turn this thing around? Yeah, so our first interactions with the boys we picked, it was all sort of super positive. Like, even all the guys on, like, Team Ortega, like, everybody's, like, they're all good guys and we're showing that sort of thing. But our team, they were real. I think it took a, a few sort of slings in that. Like, I'd be saying, like, oh, don't worry, I'm taking a piss. And they would have absolutely no idea what I'm saying, like, taking a like Or different things, I'd, like, see you for this Savo practice. And they're, like... So that sort of thing, but eventually, like a couple of days, and they came around. They absolutely like loved, like, because as you know, like Americans and that. Oh, not even that. Just some teams and they're sort of very serious. But with us, we're serious when we need to be. But at the end of the day, like Volko, I think it showed one of the episodes. He's like, guys, at the end of the day, you're in a house, you're living together, you get to train and fight together. Like, don't be sad and just be, like super focused. Like, actually take a step back and enjoy the moment. Like, look what you're able to be a part of, sort of thing. So even after we, because how it worked was there was a four fights every Thursday besides the third week, which was a break before the semifinals. So we dropped all the four fights in the first week. So we're like, fuck, man, this wasn't looking good. And we had like some, like that Mitch Raposa, we're like, man, this kid's going to, he could possibly win it. Like he's very, very good. Looking back on it, honestly, I think if you gave us an extra week with the boys to actually work our game plans, not give them to us on fight week. Honestly, I think them four fights we could have won, but that's neither or it doesn't matter everything's done now but even after the, we dropped the first four the next day we got all the boys in and we had the talk like guys just because they dropped it like Volker did a really like super motivational speech like was that a, like a movie or something it was fucking fantastic like it g'd everybody up it was just everybody was sort of somber like, causes all around says this thing then by the end of it we're like fucking let's go sort of thing the vibes just slipped us straight away. So obviously we walked in that Friday morning. We're down and like, fuck, even us, just like the coaching stuff, that obviously I didn't have too much to do with it, but just being a part of it, like, man, it was rough. Like, fuck, we had some guys we thought were like, Ryder, Mitch, like two of our first picks who we thought were red hot. They dropped their fights. We're like, fuck, like, man, like, we're going to have to do something. And then like, realistically, all we can do is we can sort of adjust the not so much the game plans, but we only had really four days of working with the guys in the first week. We're like, now, guys, we've got some time. We can put the guys through the paces, give them the work, and we just have to, like, tell these guys that we believe in you. Like, Boko said, we picked you for a reason. It doesn't matter what happened now. That's in the past. Like, we picked you for a reason. Believe in you. Like, we believe in you. All we ask you is to believe in yourself. 
did his motivational thing and fuck it worked a treat we won like seven in a row sort of thing and that's as soon as that like I, honestly i don't think the vibe changed too much i think the guys they obviously having vulcan that they really had faith in him from the start even though things didn't get in our way they were a bit down it wasn't like after a the first fights like oh fuck i think we're on the wrong team like they're still super positive super energetic and the results just go to show like it was just sort of like one bad night and then from there things sort of got into motion everybody got comfortable and then we sort of took off from there and it's crazy because i think it was actually one of your last picks that turned it all around right it was the battle fight uh battle yeah because he was one of your later picks right like it- Battle and Brady were both our last picks. Yeah, right. And, <laughs> yeah. and and literally he got that win and and yeah. and it turned everything to the point where it was an all Volk final. I know one exactly. of them was because the Otago fight got injured and that, yeah. he got injured or whatever, but like I mean, yeah. from going four zero to then like wiping <laughs> out the rest and having an yeah. all Volk final, it's it, it's like one of those moments where you kinda go, He who laughs last laughs hardest, right? Exactly um, right. But man, super interesting. Um, I look, we are going to have to wrap up real soon, and and it's mm-hmm. really disappointing. But as I said to you, this is great because there's a lot of things that I want to talk to you more so about your fighting history and, yep. and and things like that. But we'll we'll do that at another time, and we'll bring you awesome. into the studio, and it's I think true. that's kind of great. But look, we'll we'll go a little bit over time. I just want to know though. So obviously, you did the show and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, being a 22 year old, did you <laughs> did you live that Vegas life or? or, or <laughs> Or, or is it a case of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? And 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 uh, and look, if we need to, we'll geo block it again, and we'll make sure your parents don't hear anything. But like, yeah, what was that Vegas life like? First thing I want to say is I should plead the fifth, but obviously, as you could imagine, like twenty-two in Vegas with a bunch of great guys and like champ and stuff like that. So like, all I say is that. We were always sensible, but we always had fun as well. It was a good balance. That's probably as much as I can say. <laughs> That's fair play. No, look, I, yeah. I, I used to do multiple trips over to, to the States a year before all this kind of lockdown um, yeah. happened. And, and Vegas was my uh, Independence Day international mm-hmm. fight week. So I, yeah. I kind of really enjoy it, whether it is the pool parties, whether it is the, uh, the nightlife as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm a little older. I'm just saying for yep. a 22-year-old, I, 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 <laughs> I think... From a small town of Wollongong to the big streets of Las Vegas. Right. I, I, I honestly think if I went at 22, I'd probably be dead or I'd be, <laughs> or I'd be missing somewhere anyway, right? Like it is it is one of those, like it, they don't call it Sin City for no reason. But, uh, oh, spot on. Um, but yeah, good times, good times. And then obviously you, you, you came back and, um, you know, here we are... Um, how has the process gone though with with uh volks camp now like did he he obviously came back as well right or did he now just spend this whole time over there no he he came back he came back with us yeah so he came back we did the two-week quarantine and then i think we got the date for a tiger a week or two when we got back out and australia was normal then because i still had my fight booked everything was looking sweet i like i got excuse me i got my fight booked for I think it went to July, then August, and September. I think it was the start of July when I was going to be fighting. And then, obviously, firstly, my fight got... I remember, because I did a podcast on the Saturday after sparring, and it was two weeks out, and I was in real high spirits. I, like, I sparred good, everything was looking good, and I come out of the podcast, and the bloke's wife actually comes in, and she's like, oh, Willingong's getting locked down for two weeks. And I look at her, and I'm like, 
what do you mean? She's like, oh, it just happened like an hour ago due to the cases. And I was like, what do you mean? So I'm on like on my phone looking. Then obviously I'm like, fuck, this isn't good. Then the flight got postponed, and then we had the stricter lockdown. Then with the stricter lockdown, like, okay, we need to get the training group in again because we're probably not going to be able to have the sort of public open gym with everything being shut down. So then we were training, and then even we training, we had to shut down until we got the actual like an exemption and everything. And there was a bit of a hairy period. I don't know how they did it, but at one point they thought they might have to go to Queensland or they might even have to go back to the States or something to be able to train for this flight. Lucky enough, we were able to get sort of the processes done and we're able to set up the camp. So then I think we got the good sort of solid eight weeks camps. Bolko brought a few boys down. So it was Malaki was fairly regularly. Josh came down, Blake, Donnelly and Trent Gurdam stayed down pretty much. They stayed down actual full time for the camp. So we had a good bunch of guys. And obviously you had me, Justin from Freestyle as well. Then you have Treco coming in for jiu-jitsu three times a week. So we had a really good team there. And we pretty much just stuck to the same schedule, stayed in our bubble, stayed sort of COVID safe and everything for the eight weeks. And then, yeah, last week they headed off to Vegas. Everything went through perfectly. And then four days we get to see him do his thing against Otega. See, and, 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 and just to really point out that you really did live that Vegas life, um, that's why they said, well, we'll keep him home this time. He, <laughs> he, he, <laughs> no, we can't have him back. We can't yeah, have him back. He's not allowed. Yeah, they, they, it wasn't that you couldn't get out of Australia. It was that Vegas went, no, nah, we're not taking that Aussie anymore. That he, he, He's done. Um, no, I'm not allowed in there for a while. But um, <laughs> look, we, we are going to, uh, I mean, but the crazy thing is, I mean, have you heard what happened to Dan Hooker now? No, I heard right, his so Dan, he got Dan, his visa, didn't he? Dan Hooker did get his visa. He's to fly out Thursday to to obviously weigh in and then yep. fight, which is, fight, I don't yep. even know how you do that because I'm just like jet lag and I have no Everything. idea. Yeah, but anyway, ridiculous. they got the visa approved. He's mm-hmm. gone. Now his opponent doesn't have the visa. Oh, bullshit. Right, and and then the crazy the, the crazy thing is, is like you travel all the way over there and unless they can find a replacement, at this short oh, notice, he doesn't have a fight, which means, <gasps> and then New Zealand quarantine rules oh. is like, you can't even get back any earlier because they book your quarantine on that return yeah. ticket. Right. Mm. Um, so he could potentially be away for his, from his family for God knows how long um, and not have a fight. And without a fight. Fuck. Right. That's heavy. Like that, that is rough. That is really rough. So, look, uh, I'm, I'm putting positive vibes out there that he does have a fight, that they do yeah, find him a replacement. Um, because mm-hmm. just knowing what you guys always put behind that sort of stuff, it, it, it just sucks. And, and, and you know, Honestly. you know, for, for us, and I'm not trying to, you know, play the fiddle or anything, but, like, you know, having to travel that whole way and, as I say, not making your pay packet and, and spending that time away from your family is just, it's it's. Oh, it'd be horrendous. It'd be horrible. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I've just got two questions for you that, once again, awesome. uh, more, more, more people have sent in. So we'll get them out of the way. Then I'm going to get some yeah. fight picks uh, from you and then, yeah, and then we'll, we'll call it a day. And as I said, as soon as, uh, hopefully, October 18 is when they're going to, allow us mm-hmm. to actually mingle again and and yep. we'll get you to come up and and, and we'll do yeah, a, a proper in-studio session mm-hmm. as well um so I, I don't even know if you know who, who asked this question or whatever but um oh, I, i've been asked to ask you who's the best looking person in the gym i reckon brad weston asked that so if brad weston asked that his username might be westy something i feel like that might be him if it's not, 
No, it's it, it's not. But um, you can uh, answer the question anyway. Yeah, who's the best looking? I've got a great answer actually. It's Joe Lopez, by far. The man's a hunk. I was That's literally a uh, whatever a whatever answer. yeah <laughs> whatever you came up with I was literally going to go listen I don't even know anyone at that gym but I'm going with Joe right like that yeah, that's straight away he scares me I'm there yeah. um so okay so we got got that one out of the way yeah. and then the last question that we had sent in as well is like what's the favorite fight of yours and why Oh my favorite fight um that's a good question Probably, and I'd have to say, my professional debut, purely because it wasn't necessarily my favourite performance or even my favourite achievement I've done sort of thing, but it was just sort of such, so many years of hard work went into achieving that goal of like, it's just sort of, it was a first step off that journey of like, this is okay, now you're a professional fighter, you've won the debut. And so that was sort of one aspect which really helps. But then again, that was the first fight I actually felt comfortable in there. Like I had a bit of pre-fight jitters, but mentally I was clear. It was just like, that was just the fight I can look back on and say out of all my fights, it was just sort of my favorites look back on like everything just went right with it. And then the performance was good. It ticked sort of, it started off. It's obviously the start of my journey. It was like a sort of not a long-term goal, but it was like, it's okay. It's now the stepping stone. We've had our first pro fight. We can now sort of call yourself, you're a professional fighter. You've sort of, you've started. Now we've got to sort of follow through. So yeah, definitely my uh, last fight against Sean Johnson would have been my favorite. And that was on Eternal, right? Yeah, Eternal 55, I'm pretty sure it was. Perfect, perfect. Well, look, as I said, we'll, we'll get into all of that juicy stuff um, next time. And and I definitely, as I said, because I'm looking at my board, I'm like, yeah, we, we definitely got another episode in, in, in the works. Yeah, uh, so Love like, uh, we got plenty to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously what I like to do at, at the end of every episode is get a few fight picks. Um, yep. Now, the first one is this weekend's main event. Um, <laughs> Alex versus Brian. Um, yeah. I'm sure I know who you're going to pick, but like, um, yep. I, I guess like if you can give us sort of a prediction of how you feel yep. like without giving away any game plans, because uh, yep. I know you've got the inside knowledge, but yep. how do you, how do you see this fight going? Do you see a finish? Do you, do you see it going to decision? Like yep. what, what, what do you see in this fight? As you all know, a take is very tough. Like, we saw the beating he takes against Holloway. And, like, a lot of the fights he's in, he's getting pieced up. And then he just manages to pull out the victory in that. But a lot of the times he's done stuff like that if people make mistakes. And the worst thing you want to be is a fighter who capitalizes on mistakes against someone like Volko because he doesn't make mistakes. His fight IQ is so high. But how I actually think it's going to go, I think it's just going to come down to the actual pace of a fight and the fitness. I think the... First, maybe one or two rounds. It's not gonna. It's gonna be close. Like obviously, you can't. The take has improved a lot, but I think during the sort of third, fourth, and even like the championship rounds is when you're really gonna see Ortega. He's gonna sort of. He might start here, and Volko might start here, and then he goes here, and it's just they're just gonna be on a different level, sort of thing. So for the because that's how I think it's gonna play. I think Volko is gonna slowly crumble him, and I think around uh, late third to early fourth round stoppage for Volko. Nice. And it's kind of like how I've picked it because I've been talking to a few people about it and, and I kind of said the same thing. I said, it's kind of crazy, right? Because Ortega, you've got to worry about the jits, right? Mm-hmm. Volk's good wrestling, right? 
Um, then obviously everyone points at uh, Ortega's last performance against the zombie, but then you look at what Volk did with Max Holloway in the striking. So I'm kind of like, it is a bit of a coin flip, but I, where I think the difference is going to be made is the work rate. And I just see mm-hmm. that, that yeah. wherever it goes, I just feel like Volk is going to kind of um, use those assault bike sessions and really just yeah. outwork him. And that that's kind of how I see it. Do you feel that the inactivity though is going to play a part? Because I, I, I saw a stat this morning that I think both have been over 12 months since they've last been in the cage, right? So they, they've, they've yeah. both had some extended time off. Do you, do you think that's going to play sort of any role in this fight? Me personally, I'm not a big believer in that Rinrus sort of thing. Obviously, the nerves and that sort of thing, but once someone like Volko, like he's just, he's got it down to a T. He knows what works. He knows how to get in that zone of sharp. I think inactivity sort of depends. If you're 12 months out with a major injury, say you do your ACL, you've got, say, three months out completely. Then you have three months where you're actually just getting very strength in that back. Then you have six months where you're getting everything back. So even though you might have that 12 months layoff, six months of that was barely doing anything. Where it's not like Volko has been off. Obviously, I think he might have had one to two months lower due to the COVID. But besides that, like he's been putting in work. He's been doing the sparring. He's been doing everything like that. I think ring rust is a thing if you're coming back from injuries. Or if you haven't been put in the correct work, which you have, which some people might, they might slack off that session. They might sort of take the easy around or something. But with someone like Bulko, it's not even a question sort of thing. Like I think he could not fight. He could not fight for another say twelve months, and he's going to look exactly the same as he looked in the sort of Max's fight. It's exactly how he's going to carry on this. If not, I honestly think he's going to look even better. And there's no sort of lingering issues with um, with with the COVID. I mean, you know, because some people talk about like that they have a lingering lung issue mm-hmm. uh, long after the fact that they've passed the COVID. Um, yeah. The crown. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, it's my first strike ever. I'm like, why did you guys strike me? And we didn't even That's say anything. Ridiculous, hey? we, di- we didn't even say anything bad, and they're like, it goes yeah. against our policies. So, like, I do apologize, oh, YouTube. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, like there, there's been no link cause, and I only asked that because obviously the, the coughing yeah. of the blood, like, so it seems yeah. like he had a pretty bad case of it. Like there's no yeah. lingering issues there. No, I think there was one time when we first got back to quarantine and it was like day two or three and we ended up doing an assault bike session, like one of the hard ones outdoors. And that cooked both of us. Like I thought I had asthma. Volko was like dying. Like it was horrible. I was on the floor. Like, <gasps> Barely been able to brief, but that was purely. We went from three months in Vegas heat, like super dry, forty degrees to six degrees Sydney weather in a high rise apartment on a balcony, smashing ourselves in a salt bike. But we did the same session inside two days later, and we we're sweet. I think people, I'm not sure, but for fighters and that who do have like the longer cases, I think their biggest problem is they try to go back too soon and they go too hard too soon. Volko was working. Well, lucky when we were over in Vegas, Volko was still working with everyone at the PI, getting lots of good sort of, I'd say, high-level advice from people who knew what they were talking about, was following that advice correctly. So his path to recovery is completely fine. So there is, like, zero doubt in my mind that there's, like, any like any lingering signs or anything like that. Like, it won't, won't be a factor whatsoever. All right. So we'll move on to the uh, next fight which is kind of funny because it's, uh, as they've been marketing it, it's 17 years in the making. It's the Nick Diaz versus Robbie Loyola, um, yeah. which means, what, technically you would have been five years old the first time they fought. 
But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so, <laughs> how how do you think it's going to go the same way? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, how how do you see that fight? I mean. Yeah, I mean, you, you should know both fighters. I mean, Diaz yeah. has been inactive no. for about five to six years now, yeah, but yeah. like, mm-hmm. um, obviously they 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 do have a bit of a name behind them. So, like, yeah. how how do you see that fight um, going? Um, I actually did a fight pick not so long ago, and I picked Lawler purely off that. Even though he hasn't been winning on that, he's been consistent. He's been in his training. He's been fighting, and his sort of style can sort of not. I don't think he's going to have the same power, obviously, as when they first fought, but he's still going to be like, they're both crafty veterans. So I did pick, I think I went Lola by uh, just a long decision because obviously Nick's someone, if you go out trying to put Nick Dares out, you're probably going to gas out and he's probably going to beat you at it. But then recently, I think I saw they changed the fight from like 77 to like 84 kilos. So I don't know who that was for, but if that was for Nick, I don't know why, if he can't make the weight or something, of its rulers not making the weight, then whoever sort of that, um, whoever had to make the change, I don't favor them going into it. But I don't know who it is. But I still, I think I'm going to pick um, Lawler purely because his activity, he's been consistent with it. And I think Nick's style sort of won't like, I think it might be a bit like the Robbie and the RDA fight. But I think Nick's a lot less explosive than RDA, and Robbie's going to have more opportunities to sort of counter and sort of take lead of the fight. Well, it's interesting you say that, but yeah, um, I, I saw those posts today as well, and and it was Nick's camp that wanted it at eighty five okay. now, and okay. the post I saw was Dana going, well, I don't know yet. I've reached out to Robbie's camp, and we're waiting mm-hmm. on Robbie's response now. But it it was definitely Diaz's camp that wants it at eighty five. Okay, fair. That's strange. I don't think he ever had trouble making weight at seventy seven before. Right. I, I, Too many I munchies, eh? I, Who knows? I, I don't know what's going on. No. Um, anyway, we'll move on. So the, the, the next one is the rematch between Thug Rose and Wei Li. Um, how do you, yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, and to me, man, like I, I always say like Thug Rose to me is the complete martial artist. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of hers. Um, I kind of picked the first fight. I didn't think it was going to end the way it did. Um, yeah. Some people kind of, call it a little bit of luck on her side whatever um i i I think you know when her head screwed on i i I think she could pretty much beat anyone in the division but Mm -hmm. how do you see this rematch because also you had way lee come out and said that there was some issues i think um about the leg snap um and and stuff and it psychologically threw her off and stuff like that so how do you how do you see the rematch uh play out on this one yeah i'm gonna say i'm biased against rose she won me a thousand dollars against virgil in her first fight I didn't even know her back then. I'm like, oh, Rose is a cool fight. And she's not paying much. She's paying a lot by knockout. So I chucked like 50 bucks and I won a grand off it. So there's a bit of that. But how the actual fight plays out, like you said, I think oh, I think it honestly depends on where's Rose's head at. I think, like you said, when Rose has her mindset on point and things go well for her, I think she's probably the best in that division. I don't think anyone can beat her. But then again, how do we know she's not going to, something might go wrong fight week. She might have that off night. And not taking anything away from Whaley. Whaley's an absolute savage. We see what she's done against JJ. Like, she can bang for 25 minutes straight. And she's not the sort of person you want to have an off night against. I'm still going to pick Rose. And I think Rose, if, I think Rose will probably finish it early again, to be honest. Because I do think the longer the fight goes against her last fight against Andrade, we did see a fade a bit in that third round when Andrade just kept, kept, that, kept that constant pressure on, I should say. 
But I do think Rose with Trevor Whitman, they're going to have the correct game plan. Her mindset should be on point. She's going to have all that confidence, that self-belief. So I think Rose will get it done again. Nice, nice. Now, uh, another rematch that's in the making, I think a little later this year, is uh, Colby Covington hey. <laughs> uh, versus Usman, uh, number two. How do you how do you see that? Um, does he represent your name uh, right? Do you, do you like Colby? Do you like his shtick? Um, and uh, yeah, how do you how do you see that that fight play out? I don't mind your stick to be honest. Like fair play to a guy who's only get like it was getting nothing, no attention by the UFC killing people. And then like you've seen early interviews where like even when he breaks character, like I think like I think and if you meet him on the street, he's gonna be a good bloke. But he's just doing his part, sell ticks and everything. Like respect to the guy for it. But how I think the fight's gonna go, man, he's that first fight was a masterpiece. But we haven't the biggest thing for me is we haven't seen Colby as active as Usman has been. We've seen Usman grow leaps and bounds since that first fight. Colby might have, but we haven't seen him do anything like that since. So purely because of that, I think I'm going to have to back Usman. I think it's still going to be another dogfight. The pace is going to be incredible. It's going to be a lot of script. Oh, I guess they didn't even scramble in the first fight, really. There might be scrambles, which will sort of, which might affect how the fight plays out, or it might just be another sort of um, five-round all-out war on the feet. But I think Usman's lately with his sort of striking, the improvements, I do think Usman gets a win, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it by KO2 again. Nice. And then the last one I'll get for today, once again, I've got a list, but we're going to keep some for the next one, yeah, um, awesome. is, is Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. I'm really excited for that one. Man, um, what a fight. Yeah, so how, how do you see that one play out? So, Gaethje versus Chandler. I think... I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Gaethje purely because I can see more paths to victories for him against Chandler. I think, as a lot of people probably say, we know Chandler is sort of susceptible to the leg kicks. We saw Hooker land a few, and they instantly start to hurt him. And Gaethje kicks like a truck. Not only that, we both know they have knockout power. But the way I see it, we've seen. Well, Chandler's taken big shots too, like from Oliveira and everything like that. But we've seen Gaethje. Get hit with big shots, survive, come back, and he's still in the fight. Whereas we see Chandler get hit by the big shot, he's not the same fighter after them. Whereas I think that's what it might come down to. I think these boys, they're going to crack each other a couple of times. But I think at the end of the day, Gage is just a little bit tougher, especially with, uh, again, Trevor Whitman. They're going to have a good game plan. I guarantee they're going to be working to chop that leg. And if Chandler has an answer for that, they've got three different answers for him answering a kick sort of thing. So I think I'm going to go with, yeah, Gaethje, and it's got to be by finish. There's no way that fight goes five rounds. It can't. I don't see it. Fuck, Perfect. imagine if it does. I'm going to sound stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, imagine, and it could just be a snooze fest too, right? Which, once oh, again, yeah. I, I totally doubt. I totally yeah, doubt. Yeah. But I mean, These two boys, yeah. we, we, we've seen it before where, you know, I mean, yeah. we, we thought Ngannou versus Derek Lewis, Lewis the first one was going to be banger. like a banger. <laughs> And uh, yeah. it, 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 it put everyone else to sleep bar the two competing in the, in, in the center of the octagon, right? So it's kind of crazy. But look, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. As I said, we've run a little over time. Um, mm -hmm. And um, yeah, uh, as I said, this, this is one of the times that I look on the board and I'm like, man, there's, there's just so much more that we can discuss. Perfect. So, uh, which as I say, is perfect. And especially because yeah. 
originally I was a little disappointed because I was like, you know, when when people are in Sydney or around Sydney, I like them to come yeah. in. Um, obviously, yeah. when I get US guests, there is no other option. But I'm like, yeah. I'm really gonna waste a, a New South Wales, you know, guest on a video call. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of nice that we we've been able to obviously do this, but we get to do it again um, as yeah, soon perfect. as as soon as uh, Gladys allows us to let's get out, us of that. out and enjoy our life. Yeah, hey? <laughs> let's let's <laughs> just get out of the house, you know. Yeah. Um, but man, it's been an absolute pleasure for people that kind of want to reach out to you and and and, and kind of uh, follow your journey. What's kind of the best yeah. way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, so I'm on the socials. So Instagram and Facebook is just Colby Thickness. I have a Twitter, but I don't even use that. It's just there for the sake of having Twitter. But yeah, so Instagram, Facebook is just my first last name, Colby Thickness. Reach out. I'm always happy, like to even when like even I love it now. I have like a few people like ask for like a bit of training tips, a bit of like knowledge, like even just people just hey like what's some good fire to watch and stuff like that. Like I'm always responding to messages, stuff like that, and I love sort of interacting with anyone who enjoy like any aspects of combat sports. Well, there you have it, man. And as I said, I cannot appreciate um, the time that you've given us. Um, obviously, uh, it, it, it's always interesting when you meet someone for the first time. I, I knew you were a bit of a talker anyway, because uh, yep. as I said before the show, you, you've met some of my family and, and my sister straight away said, yeah, you've got to get this Colby kid on, yeah, on the show. He, he, he can definitely talk. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll have to give her props for that too. But look, man, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. We are going to cut it now. Um, once again, I do want to say thank you. Uh, best of luck. Hopefully, next time we have you on, maybe you might have some fight news as well. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we have some sort of local fight uh, things happening. But until then, man, um, enjoy lockdown and uh, stay blessed. I'm away. I'm away.